0: Be, be seated. Um, so how many of you have ever heard that Christmas, the way we celebrate it, is a pagan holiday? Is anybody familiar with that line of thinking? Okay, a few of you are. Good. Um, I, that's not the crux of my message, I want, but I want to kind of tie it in a little bit with my message. So uh, there are, you know, uh, sort of uh, passionate believers out there that think that uh, even some things about Easter And I'll talk about Easter because it's a little bit easier to see some of the pagan roots of Easter, I think, than Christmas. If you don't have any history, history on where some of this stuff comes from. But the originally when I got exposed to these ideas, it was we shouldn't be celebrating Easter. We should be celebrating Passover. Right. Uh, Because Jesus, the holiday, the Jews, God gave the Passover, the whole the whole thing. And Easter, they say, and you can see it, it's easy to see. Uh, is a, was a springtime pagan festival that was a fertility festival that time of year, around the time of the spring equinox, right? Because they would do everything around the sun and daylight and that kind of thing. And so it's easy to see when you think about eggs, uh, dying Easter eggs and hiding Easter eggs and finding the Easter eggs, obviously uh, there could be a, and definitely is a fertility sort of, Ritual and theme, right? Same thing with bunnies. Right. So you can see the Easter bunny, the Easter eggs obviously doesn't, you know, really have anything to do with the resurrection of Christ. Right. And so we've brought those sort of pagan elements, if you will, into the celebration of Easter. And so they say the same thing about Christmas. And if you study where Christmas comes from, some of our traditions, like let's say the Christmas tree, let's say lighting the Christmas tree, let's say, I know we don't celebrate the 12 days of Christmas, uh, but we sing the song, right? And think about the 12 days of Christmas and, and all of that stuff, the way we celebrate Christmas, the time of year that we celebrate it, certainly does have its roots in European, uh, Germanic paganism, all right? And so some people say, well, you know, God's offended at that. And so if we're going to be pure and holy, we need to separate out the, the pagan traditions from the reality, even the time of year, they'll argue about, you know, that Jesus wasn't born uh, in December. He was born probably in October. Now, I'd like to know how they know that, because we can't go back and look at Jesus birth certificate to find out exactly the day that he was born. Right. And uh, with all due respect to Dan Brown and others who think the Holy Grail is Jesus actual lineage and bloodline left in the earth. Uh, there's no relatives around that we can, you know, look at the gene. Theologies and, or ask them, you know, when was Jesus actually born? So, so let, let, I'm going to talk a little bit about where Christmas comes from, uh, just a little bit, because I don't want to spend as much time as I did in the first service with it. But there's always this kind of like super pure thing that says, Hey, we need to celebrate the Jewish holidays. Again, it's more appropriate for Easter because Passover, uh, you know, definitely has, Uh, It's in the Bible and whatever else and Christmas really isn't even in the scriptures anywhere There are some people that are so radical. They say we shouldn't worship on Sunday because Sunday Was the day dedicated to the Sun God? That's how we got Sunday. You realize Saturday was dedicated to Saturn So Saturday is Saturn's day right so, but they say we should worship on Saturn's day <laughs> instead of Sunday because that's the Sabbath. So, you know, Seventh-day Adventists and people like that that don't realize that the Gregorian calendar actually has nothing to do with the Jewish calendar and who knows when the Sabbath actually was. But those are details that are inconvenient for religious institutions, right? <laughs> um, Are you familiar with any of those concepts or ideas? So here's the thing with Christmas. So Christmas is rooted in how many of you have heard of Yule time, right? So Yule time was a time of pagan celebration because you got to understand for ancient cultures and Israel was no exception to this. For ancient cultures, the rhythm of their life went around the agricultural season, which had to do with the sun and the rain, right? And so even um, tabernacles, there's people that won't celebrate. And I'll show you in a m- moment that New Year's is also pagan. Uh, January 1st for New Year's is also a pagan uh, institution. It absolutely is. I'm not arguing that it's not. Uh, and so there are people that say, well, the, the Jewish New Year is in October around the Feast of Tabernacles. So therefore, they celebrate the New Year in October rather than in January, right, because they're trying to rid themselves and go back to their Jewish roots or whatever, rid themselves of their paganism and go back to their Jewish roots. And so now you'll see, I remember a few years ago, if you watch, you know, TBN or any of that stuff, uh, every year you get certain magazines or certain ministries that put out newsletters they come up with stuff for the new year and so i was more into that scene like back in the 90s it's been a long time but you know so there was like i remember 94 was like 93 was getting free in 93 and 94 was more in 94 and uh 95 was church alive in 95 or that kind of thing and then you know a decade later they're kind of recycling it again (laughs) anybody and calling it prophetic anybody know what i'm talking about or am i talking to the wrong crowd OK, so now what the the, 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 the the sort of the fad is, is no that, that's all pagan dating and that's all Gregorian calendar. So we're going to go back to the original calendar. So they start their New Year's prophecies now in October and they connect it with the Jewish New Year. And so it's like fifty seven, seventy eight or I don't know. Somebody's probably mortified that I don't know what Jewish year we're in. Um, And so then they started doing numerological things with, you know, this number corresponds with this Hebrew letter that has to do with the door. And so this is the year of the open door. Am I? Okay. Well, it's good. If you you don't know about this stuff, it's probably healthier for you. But here's the thing about Jewish holidays. There's not a Jewish person on the planet who thinks that Passover has anything to do with Jesus. Otherwise, they'd be Christians. They think it has to do with the exodus from Israel and the blood of the Passover lamb and when the angel of death passed over and when Israel as a nation was formulated and rescued and founded by God and by Moses. So they're celebrating Moses. They're not celebrating Jesus, right? And and Hanukkah is this time of year. And I don't know how many of you know where Hanukkah comes from. Hanukkah is a light festival. And it is interesting when you read the Gospel of John, he does uh, uh, the, the John's Gospel goes in a rhythm or a cycle of the Jewish celebrations. So when Jesus is making statements about, you know, whoever believes in me will walk in light, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life, or I am the light of the world, some of those statements that we find in John, that was around the Feast of Hanukkah. In fact, Revelation does the same exact thing. And so when you're looking at the candlesticks, it's the Feast of Hanukkah, by the time you get to the Passover imagery in Revelation, you're at the Feast of Passover. And so it's also following an annual cycle that goes with the sun and the moon. Are are you breathing? Now, here's the interesting thing. Jesus and the disciples had to reinterpret the Jewish feasts in order to give them Christian meaning. So Jesus, when he's celebrating the Passover himself, at the end of the gospel, he says, this is the blood of the new covenant." He takes the bread and says, this is my body, which is broken for you. He takes the cup and says, this is the blood of the new covenant, which was shed. And when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. In other words, he's totally changing the meaning. He's saying this feast no longer is about Passover. No longer do it as a memorial to Moses. No longer do it as a memorial to the exodus out of Egypt. No longer do it as a memorial to the founding of a new nation. He says, instead, do it now and do the same things, but do it in remembrance. remembrance of me and put me at the center of the meaning. So when the the early Christians who were Jewish, when they were going out evangelizing, they were taking Jewish holidays and customs, reinterpreting them completely and putting Christ at the center of the message. So it's not pure. It is if it was purely Jewish, again, Passover is the one we're most familiar with or, or Hanukkah. Let's come back to Hanukkah. Hanukkah was about a bloody, brutal battle over the temple in the Maccabees, which is in your Catholic Bibles, but not your Protestant Bibles. You can read about it there. And so that's what Hanukkah celebrates and represents, the lighting of the candlestick or keeping the candlestick lit during this bloody battle that's in the book of the Maccabees. Are you tracking with me? Okay, so now Christians will say, no, we celebrate Hanukkah as Christ being the light to the world. That's not what it meant. So they take these things that are familiar with the cultures and they reinterpret them. So when when, when Europe is being Christianized, this is what's so amazing. When Christianity, let's put it this way, when Christianity, when the message of Christ or the gospel is triumphing in Europe over paganism, they did the same thing. They took the festivals that the people were celebrating and they reinterpreted reality for them so that they could keep the festival. But it had new meaning. So Jesus takes Passover, which was about Moses, Moses, and says, no, this is about me. He reinterprets the meaning. We reinterpret meanings of words all the time. Uh, in the 30s, 20s and 30s, the word gay meant something totally different than what it means today. So we took a word and we put a new meaning to it. But if you use the term gay today, you're not talking about being happy and joyous and festive. People are not going to understand it in that way. Right? <clears throat> so it's the same thing. Most people don't realize that Christmas or Yuletide, so here's the thing with it. Landed, it would begin, the 12 days of Christmas would begin with the winter solstice. So December 20th or December 21st or December 23rd, depending on the year for them, right? And the reason they would celebrate, they would have a tree, a evergreen tree that they would take. And the reason they picked an evergreen was it represented the triumph of life over death, right? Right. And they would light it, and here's why. Because the winter solstice is the shortest day of the year, right? So after the winter solstice, the days start to become longer, or there is more light in the world than there is darkness. So the whole celebration of Yuletide was about the inbreaking of the light and the rebirth of the sun and the triumphing of light coming into the world and the triumph of light over darkness and life over death. Because you've got to understand, as they're experiencing these cycles, they didn't have, you know, little classrooms with little models of the solar system with the earth going around the sun and, and all this stuff to understand that. All they knew was that the sun literally gave them life. Because they couldn't go down to, you know, Walmart or Safeway or King Supers and buy their food. They were dependent year by year on the agricultural cycle. And they realized that their crops only grew when there was more sunlight. So therefore the sun gave life so they worshipped the sun. Because it gave them life. Not because they were pagan and evil, but because they were recognizing and trying to interpret the world around them. And they had a certain cosmology that fit with that. Does that make sense? So that when when the winter solstice would come around, they would celebrate 12 days commemorating one day for every month of the previous year and giving thanks for it. And then the really interesting thing is that at the end of the 12 days... They would have a huge festival that would be looking forward to the reign of the sun and to the reign of life. So here's how they would understand it. Now that the days are getting longer, there is an energy being given to the earth that causes new life. So they would say, what new life do you want to have for the next year? And then make resolutions in yourself about how you're going to use the energy of life in a positive way to change things that are going on in your life. And so the last part of the 12 days was to celebrate and make an oath or a resolution about what you're going to change for the new year. (laughs) Are you breathing? And it's also why they put lights on the evergreen tree, because it was symbolic of the fact that light was triumphing over darkness. And so when 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 Europe, I'm sorry, is being evangelized by Christianity, they do exactly what Jesus did with the Jewish festivals. And they say they're not about this. They're about me. And they put and they put Christ at the center of it. So Jesus probably wasn't born on December 25th. But again, we don't know. I mean, there are people that will say, no, he was definitely born in October. And then there's other people say, no, 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 no. What's his name? Zechariah was in the in the temple d- during uh, December, <laughs> and uh, how they know that I don't know, but that's what they say. And then the scriptures say in Luke that Mary became pregnant pregnant three months after Elizabeth became pregnant, and there's a nine month cycle there, so you get at a year and they say no jesus was born in december and so we have all these arguments about this stuff the point is nobody knows the point is is that for christmas what happened was that the christians came in and what was yule tide became christmas tide which eventually became christmas But the whole idea was still, just like in Passover, the whole idea was the Passover lamb, but Jesus now takes the place of the Passover lamb. The whole idea with Christmas was the light is breaking into the world. It's a time of rebirth, it's a time of resurrection, and it's a time when light and life triumphs over darkness and death. And they're saying, but it's not about the sun and it's not about the elements, earth, wind and fire. It's about the son of God being born into the earth. So therefore, we're going to make this celebration Christ centered or about Christ and reinterpret everything and give it a different meaning. So when people are telling us, you can't celebrate Christmas because it's pagan, you have to celebrate the Jewish holidays, they don't realize that what they're doing is desecrating, in the mind of the Jew, they're desecrating the Jewish holiday, holidays by giving them a new meaning. They're not keeping God's original meaning, so they're not being pure, they're reinterpreting a Jewish festival under a, in a Christian light. And then get mad at people who take pagan festivals and reinterpret them in a Christian light. <laughs> You see how silly the whole thing is? And so the issue really is for us. And now, and now Christmas doesn't have anything to do for us because we don't live in an agricultural society anymore. We don't live in a society that honors our dependence upon the moving of the cycles because we have grocery stores and, and all kinds of stuff. We have greenhouses now. We have ways to make stuff grow without depending on nature. <laughs> Right. So now for us, it's all about giving gifts and and eating and family time together and and whatever. And so it's maybe even harder for us to find meaning in Christmas. And maybe we have to work a little bit harder to keep Christ at the center of Christmas and telling Christians they can't celebrate Christmas does not help. It actually erodes our witness and our testimony to the world. Because it used to be, people would come to church. At least they'd come to church on Christmas and Easter. <laughs> but now you got even Christians saying, "Oh no, it's pagan holiday. We got to get away from it. We got to purify it." <laughs> so the issue becomes for us, really, that we we there is a ritual in our culture. At least with where this time of year, we're celebrating, we're giving gifts, but we really are closing out the year. We really are already trying, starting to think twenty seventeen i'm ready to say goodbye to it i'm ready for whatever 2018 has right but here's the thing what they, they understood with the sun because they understood energetic principles they understood the energy of light and the energy of life is now increasing and so collectively we can work with that to transform our life. we don't have anything like that really and we have New Year's resolutions that we keep for about three weeks. I remember one year I made a New Year's resolution and it kicked in three months later. I kept it, but it took three months for me to, to kick in, right? And so we don't take it. We, we, we're very frivolous about some of these things. And so what I want to do today is I just want to invite you to think about uh, this time of year to be for you a season of renewal. Because originally, that's what Yuletide was about. It it was about, I mean, we made it about the cosmic event of Christ coming into the earth and bringing renewal and bringing light and bringing life, right? But we celebrate it every year because the idea was for the church and for the early Christians for it to become a time of personal renewal, a time of personal reflection, a time of putting to bed the darkness that is in your life and working with the, the sort of the corporate energy that's there to bring about change. Cause how many, you know, really to bring about positive change and light and life can be, uh, it requires energy. How are you breathing? How many of you know who Tony Robbins is, a- Anthony Robbins? He's been around forever. How, how many of you are old enough to remember the infomercials? He kind of started with the infomercials way back in the 70s. Uh, that's how long he's been around. He wrote a book. And I think his first book was called uh, Awakening the Power Within or, or Awakening the Giant Within or something like that. I can't remember if I've got them on my bookshelf, but the name just escapes me right now. <clears throat> I read that book decades ago. And... Uh, <coughs> This is the whole premise. This is what he built and really gave birth to a whole industry uh, on. Is that if something in your life is going to change, you're going to have to be the one to change it. Now, as Christians, we don't believe that because we think we can just pray and whatever and whatever is God's will. And God will you know, maybe make stuff happen if we pray hard enough or get enough people to vote in heaven or however that works. I'm not sure how that works for you guys, but but the thing about if you look at how paul the apostle thought about his faith it was never a passive thing of god doing stuff for us for paul it was this is what god has done for us therefore this is how we can change our lives that's the that's the rhythm of every thing that he wrote. Everything that he writes begins with the theological statements about this is who Jesus was. This is what he did for us. This is the effect that it has on us. And then by the end of the book, this is what we need to do to change our life as a result. In other words, he never said, pray that God will change you ever. He said, in light of what God did, like in Ephesians, Colossians, several places I could take you to, he says, in light of what God did, do this, put off the old man, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man and act like this. So everything about the Apostle Paul was about taking action. Not that much different than what Tony Robbins is saying, except he leaves Jesus and Christ and the energy of Christ out of it. Basically what Paul's saying is, you can change your life by taking action, and here's how what Christ did gives you the energy and the power to change your life and to walk in light and life. So he never says, I can do all things, or God does all things for me by Christ Jesus. Nobody ever quoted that. God does all things for me in Christ. He said, I, we say I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens, but in the original language, energizes me. It's where we Energo, it's where we get the word. So I can do all things depending upon and relying upon the energy of Christ that is working in me. Make sense. So and, and, and then because of that, take action. And so nothing in our life will change unless we take action. Your finances won't change unless you do something to change your finances. Your marriage won't change unless you do something to change your marriage. Your spiritual life will not change unless you take consistent action to change something in your spiritual life. Your health is not going to change unless you take specific action to change things in your health. Nothing is going to change unless you take action specific what what, what Tony Robbins would call specific congruent action in the same direction. So so here was his. So here was his premise. And I'm sorry, I'm preaching. I don't mean to be preaching the gospel of Tony Robbins this morning, but I'm just looking at the principle. All right. So 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 here was his principle. Nothing's going to change unless you take action to change it. And it won't be powerful enough to change your life unless it's what he called congruent action. So everybody just say with me congruent. So what does it mean to be congruent? It's a, it's a g- geometry term. So I had trouble grasping it because math was never my thing. But anyway, <laughs> but basically it just means all points, all things corresponding at the same point. So here's how this would work out. So a lot of people for New Year's, their resolution is what? I want to lose weight. I want to get healthy. There's, there's usually two main resolutions that people make. I'm going to get healthy and lose weight or I'm going to save money this year. Right? and so let's take both of those. Let's just say I decide I'm going to get healthy this year, and so healthy means that I'm going to eat healthy food, whatever that is, right? I'm going to eat healthy food, I'm going to exercise, and I'm going to uh, de-stress, all right? So let's start with the eating healthy. So I do some reading on eating healthy and let's say, uh, I have a friend who has recently chosen to follow a vegan diet and it's really doing great things for him and so he's really excited about, you know, all the stuff that's, that's going, that's, that's working for him. And so, you know, we can talk about all the stuff. If you're eating dead meat, you're putting death, you're putting the energy of death in your body. Let's just start there, okay? And, 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 and meat these days has been, you know, genetically altered and, uh, you know, the cows and the chickens, you know they inject chickens with steroids so their breasts get bigger. So now your chicken breasts that you buy are a lot bigger than the, the chicken breasts you used to be able to get. I mean, you guys know all that stuff, right? <clears throat> and they keep them in un- <clears throat> bad environments, so we're bad to the animals. I'm just trying to give you an example. So let's say I decide, okay, I'm going to get off all the, the s- steroids and man-made stuff, and I'm going to get off all the meat, and I'm going I'm to eat uh, 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 stuff that comes from the earth. I'm going to eat the Garden of Eden diet. Uh, before Noah, you know, before Noah, you couldn't eat meat in the Bible, or, or people didn't. So I'm, so I'm going to go back to the original pattern of Eden, all right? So I'm going to eat fruits and nuts and vegetables and stuff that grows in the ground, right? That's what I'm going to do. That's going to help me get healthy. And then the other thing I do, because we're a sedentary to society, we're the only society probably in the history of the world that pays to work. And what I mean by that is most of our jobs are sedentary, right? Mine certainly is, where you don't exert a lot of energy, unless you're a blue-collar worker or laborer. You don't exert a lot of energy, so you buy a membership to a gym so that you can go work, so that you can be work enough to be healthy. Think about that, right? (laughs) So we're the only society I know that pays to work so we can be healthy, but... But I'm certainly in that category. I need, to, uh, you know, to, to have that particularly in the winter because I don't like to be cold. I'm not going to go for a walk in the winter. So even if I want the treadmill, I got to pay for my membership at the Y. Right? So I decide I'm going to, I'm going to eat right. I'm going to get healthy. Now here's where congruence comes in because there's, there's this part of me that really wants to be healthy. There's this part of me that really wants to feel good. There's this part of me that wants to go to the gym and this part of me wants to get my blood pressure down and lose weight, right? There's part of me that wants to eat healthy, that says, oh, I don't want to be putting all that junk in my body. But then there's this other part of me that likes prime rib. Like bloody meat, right? I read something recently that like if you have an O blood type, or no, I heard it, it was uh, Th- Th- Teresa Ramsey, uh, if, if you have an O blood type, that you're more prone to kneading and actually eating red meat and bloody meat. And so it's so funny because I, if, if my steak's not bleeding, it's not, it's not steak. It's something else. And Julie's like, if her steak isn't shoe leather, it's disgusting, right? But she's like, uh, what, what's your blood type? You don't know. Oh, but anyway, it's like an A or a B or a, she's got like actually a rare blood type, like they'd love for her to give blood because it's, it's a rare thing. But but I've got like that O blood type that. And so it just makes sense that, you know, I would like anyway. But my point is, I'm trying to go vegan. I'm not, but I'm trying to go vegan. Right. And so and so there's this energy inside me that wants to go vegan. But there's also this energy inside me. that's like, man. I want to eat that really, you know. Prime rib, and then there's this energy inside me that says, "Okay, I need to eat, you know, uh, beans and and quinoa for protein." And then there's this energy in me that says, "Man, I, I don't like beans, and I really don't like quinoa." So then there's this part of me that says, I gotta go to the gym, right? But I gotta give up time to go to the gym. So I gotta carve out time in my day and in my week in order to go to the gym. But that means I gotta give something up over here. And I don't wanna give up something over here. So I got an energy pulling me this way and an energy pulling me this way and I know especially at my age it takes longer to get in shape it's amazing you can get out of shape in two days and it takes you three months to get back in shape I don't know I don't know how that works but that's how it works for me so so it's like so it's been you know a month or two since I worked out so I know if I'm going to go to the gym man I'm going to hurt I'm going to be breathing hard my heart's going to be racing it's going to take longer for my heart rate to come down I don't want to go through all that stuff and so there's part of me that wants to go because I want to be healthy and I want to feel good but there's part of me that says no I want to sleep in right same thing with money I'm going I'm to become financially independent in 2018 so the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to get out of debt and so how am I going to get out of debt? I look at my bills and stuff. And so, uh, okay, well, I'm going to apply. Uh, in order to get out of debt, I'm going to have to apply more money to the principal because I've been making minimum payments. This is not me, but let's just pretend it is. I've been making minimum payments on, on my credit cards and barely getting by. And so I'm going to pay an extra $50 a month. No, I'm going to pay an extra $200 a month on my bills. Okay, where's that $200 going to come from? Um, what am I doing? What's part of my daily ritual? And I keep coming back to Starbucks and I keep thinking, man, you know, back in the seventies when we were thinking about what the year 2017 was going to be like, we all thought it was going to be the Jetsons. We thought we we're going to be flying around in cars and taking, you know, new vacations to the moon. How do you remember that? How many you know what I'm talking about? Right. <laughs> and doing stuff like that. We never dreamed in a million years we'd be paying six bucks for a cup of coffee. They didn't show that part in the Jetsons. You, you know, back then you just go pay a, whatever. I mean, you know, even in the 90s, you pay a buck and then you sit there and drink the whole pot, you know, because they would keep refilling it, right? Now you pay $6, they don't even give you a refill. I mean, what's up with that? And so. <laughs> So I go, so I go seven days a week to Starbucks because it's my fix. I have to have it, right? So that's $35 a week. Plus, you know, they give me this receipt that I can go in in the afternoon and get a dollar off my frappuccino or whatever. So I'm going to work in the morning and I have my Starbucks cup of coffee that's my six dollar cup of starbucks and then by two o'clock in the afternoon i'm drained again probably because i'm not eating quinoa and beans and vegetables (laughs) but whatever the case may be i'm just my energy is just gone and i'm looking at that receipt and so man a frappuccino would just give me a pick me up so i go in and then maybe three times a week i spend on my frappuccinos and so that gives me fifty dollars a week if i just cut out starbucks that gives me fifty dollars a week And then that gives me my $200 uh, a month that I can put towards getting out of debt. But my problem is, how do I get my boost in the afternoon? I mean, I could drink the other coffee, but it's just not as good, right? And so like three days into it, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to go. And so what do I end up doing? I end up going to Starbucks to have my $6 cup of coffee, and I charge it. (laughs) Because I don't carry cash. (laughs) Right. So my point is, I've got energy that wants something, but I got energy that wants something else. So here's how Tony Robbins made his fortune. The whole rest of his stuff is how do I deal with myself so that I align all of my energies so that I am congruently moving towards the same outcome. So in other words, if I want to get healthy, how do I deal with The the fact that I want steak or how do I deal with the fact that I don't want to go work out and how do I bring those parts of me into complete alignment and harmony and agreement so that I take what he called congruent action towards changing something in my life? Or with the finances, how do I become congruent in my desires and my thoughts and my feelings and my desires? And so here's what he discovered. If I don't have the internal energy to sustain the external action, my life will not change. So here's the point. It takes energy to change your life. And the question becomes then, how do we as people harness the energy so that it moves in a direction for us that brings us to the place that we really want to be at? And so the first thing he talks about is managing your ecology of life. That in other words, if I'm going to give energy over here, I'm going to have to take energy away from here. And that's why most people don't fulfill anything that they do. That's why you can't just make a New Year's resolution willy-nilly. Or you can't make five New Year's resolutions. Like if you're in debt up to your eyeballs, and you're getting, your blood pressure goes up every year, and you're getting heavier every year, or whatever the case may be, you can't get into the same dress you got into last year, whatever the case may be, It does not serve you well to decide you're going to change both at the same time. Because it requires too much energy, typically. If it didn't require energy, you'd already be doing it. (laughs) And so the reason we don't change oftentimes is because it requires too much energy of us, or we don't know how to manage our energy in order to change. And so that's why, for ancient people, New Year's was the time that they made their resolutions because for them, they were drawing upon the energy of the sun, the energy of life, all the stuff that was happening in their environment. They're drawing upon what they're seeing in their environment in order to change their inner constitution so that they can change something in their life. And I found, as Christians, we don't think much about our environment that we're in. We don't think much about the space that we're in. We don't think much about, is is our environment supporting us in a spiritual fashion? And so early on, the church gave us rituals. Everybody say rituals. It's it's not a dirty word. Rituals are symbols to support us internally in the direction of our spiritual life and our spiritual walk. And then somewhere along the way, we got like this hyper rebellious thing, like we're not going to have symbols in the church and we're not going to do anything by ritual because somehow that's unspiritual. When really it's just a lack of understanding. Don't tell me you don't believe in ritual if you brush your teeth every morning. Don't tell me you believe in, you don't believe in ritual if you take showers on a regular basis. Don't tell me you don't believe in ritual if you get dressed or if you have a bedtime routine or... In fact, they said one of the the reasons people suffer from insomnia is because they have no routine to gear them down to go to bed. And so if you suffer from insomnia, one of the best things you can do is set a bedtime. We do it for our kids. Set a bedtime and a ritual. My kids have a ritual. Bath time. Now we set the timer for them. We motivate them by letting them compete. They get a little bit of TV before they go to sleep. And so they, I got them, I could, we couldn't get them in their jammies, so we got them competing. Whoever got in their jammies first got to pick. So now it's like this whole thing. So now I just set the timer, and they got eight minutes to do all their nighttime ritual to get ready for bed. And if they don't get it done in that eight minute time period, I set it on my clock. If they don't get it done in that eight minute time period, then dad picks what we watch. And so we, I put it on the NFL channel or something <laughs> that there's really, <laughs> the Discovery channel or something that's like really super boring. No, we can't let that pay go. We're brushing our teeth. <laughs> but what are we doing? We're ingraining a ritual in them so they can manage their energy because sleep is all about managing your energy. So I want to invite you to think about not just what you want to change in your life, and not just maybe what you need to put to bed in terms of the dark areas, the, the, the darkness of your life. This really is a season that we can put Christ at the center of. That can be a season that can become a part of the rhythm of our life. Where we say, where are the dead things and where are the dark things that I want to put to rest in my life? And what are the light and the life-giving things that I want to have for the new year? And how can I use the energy of that time in a way that is supporting me so that I give myself the best possible opportunity to succeed at what I'm trying to do. And so if Paul's right, and he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, then when I ask you this question. What do you need to change in your life in order to tap into more of the strength and the energy of Christ for your life? And that might be a good place to start. What are your spiritual, what's your spiritual routine? You realize we sustain our life by eating three times a day. I mean, it's changing in our culture. Our culture is changing. Everybody's got their own stuff, right? But it used to be that we had a collective energy of routine, that we had breakfast, breakfast. In the morning lunch in the afternoon notice how it goes around based on the movement of the sun and dinner at night and if if you were if you were consistent you'll notice that breakfast was right about the time the sun came up lunch was always at noon why because the sun was at its highest point and dinner was always around 6 or 7 o'clock because that's when the sun was setting. So that even your renewal of energy with your food was a ritual that was built around the energy of the sun. But see, that, that is so basic to who we are as human beings. And so what rituals do you have? What routines do you have? What have you built into your life That is about you and about your renewal internally, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, that is specifically designed and strategically designed to empower you to take action to bring about the changes you want to be able to bring about in your life. So you stop thinking about, you know, your New Year's resolutions or whatever in terms of. I mean, we do it so frivolously now. Oh, my New Year's resolution is I'm going to lose weight and get in shape. What's your plan? My New Year's resolution is I'm going to become financially independent. (laughs) Amen. Do you feel that energy? See if we do that. If we'd all make resolutions, there would be a corporate energy that would help us and support us in the direction that we're gonna go. But what's your plan? And when we think about plan, oftentimes we only think about the external stuff. I gotta take away from Starbucks to put money down on my credit card bills. I need to quit eating rare steak and start eating vegan so that I can get healthy. But we don't think about what do we need to do internally and spiritually in order to sustain us or how how are we working on a daily basis to bring about the renewal of the Christ energy, if I can say it that way, the Christ strength in your life so that you really are empowered to do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And I'd like to suggest to you that maybe that would be a really good place to start. right? So what what is your spiritual routine? What is your spiritual practice? And maybe some of us don't even have a clue what that looks like, right? We don't have a clue. Let me give you some hints. If it's not changing you internally, if it's not producing a feeling for you, if it's not producing an imagination for you, if if it's not changing something in your thinking, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. So if I want to get healthy, then I want to use my spiritual practices in a way that are going to energize me to take the actions that I need to take in order to be healthy. Which means, okay, so for me, maybe I'm going to start with my Bible. <laughs> maybe I'm going to start with looking up scriptures about health and healing and about the body. And it doesn't have to be an intense thing, but let's just say I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look up scriptures about health and maybe promises about health and healing. So I want to spend my time internalizing and integrating the energy. See, J- Jesus said this, huh? He said, man does not live by bread alone, because what does bread do? It gives you energy, right? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So, how am I using the words that have proceeded from the mouth of God to energize me towards my outcomes? So, if I want to get healthy, there's no point in me reading a daily devotional that changes every day. That just gets me to think a spiritual thought. That's like spiritual candy. <laughs> it is. I mean, it tastes good, get a little bit of a boost out of it, but that's about it. Do, do you see what I'm saying? I have nothing against candy. If you want spiritual candy, great. I think it's wonderful, right? I think, and it may be necessary for you, but it's not going to support you in making real powerful life changes for you. Well, I'm really busy and I don't have time uh, to do whatever. Well, you drive to work. So let's say, again, if your goal is to get healthy, let's say that you take information... That is going to support you in being healthy and you listen to that instead of whatever they're brainwashing you with on the radio. Because you think you're tuning out the commercials, but your unconscious mind is picking up all that stuff. Right. right. I mean, there was some stuff I was starting to struggle with and I'm like, man, you know, it's just part of getting older because that's what our collective group consciousness says. Right. And, and I had to realize I'm agreeing with that, but then it's being reinforced by all this stuff I'm hearing on the television and radio, too. Right? So I'm energizing myself towards those outcomes. So why not use that time constructively? And find something not only that's going to feed you spiritually, but find even information. It doesn't always have to be spiritual. Sometimes sometimes just feeding yourself on information about diet. Man, if I can convince myself that quinoa is really good for me, and I can find a thousand different ways to make it so it tastes better than the way I've been making it, right? And I get around other people that are into quinoa, I've got a much better chance... Of sticking to my diet than if I just decide, oh, I'm going to have, I'm going to do this. Does that make sense? So you got time when you're driving, going to and from places, that you could be listening to something. And even if you're not consciously picking it up, your mind is still picking it up. Right? What are some outcomes that you would like to see for yourself spiritually? Maybe you just need more joy in your life. You know, that would be a good New Year's resolution for some of us. Or maybe some of you are addicted to drama. How about that? I'm going to get off my drama addiction. You know what I mean by that? Like everything. I heard something recently that's really been stuck with me. Somebody gave a journalist, the guy was saying when he started in his journalism career, somebody gave him advice about the way he writes his stories. And, And the guy told him, if everything is the apocalypse, then nothing is the apocalypse. Have you ever caught yourself being like that or ever found people that were like that? Like, everything's the apocalypse. Everything is dramatized to, to, you know, no matter what it is, somebody at work did this terrible thing to me today and ruined my lunch break. And, no, it's just drama, you know. (laughs) Maybe you're a drama addict. There must be somebody in here because I hadn't planned on sharing that. Maybe you're addicted to drama. Maybe you just need to get some peace and some joy in your life. And so maybe what you need to decide for yourself in this time of renewal is, how am I going to get peace and joy? I do all kinds of weird stuff, so I'll just give you something. I do. I'm just weird, if you haven't figured that out already. But I, I just, I was, yeah, thanks. I was done with the group consciousness 20 some years ago within christianity and here's what i mean by that i mean i started out on oswald chambers his utmost for my highest how many remember that and so i read oswald Chambers because somebody told me you need to read oswald chambers and so i would do that and off and on and you know here and there and whatever and i felt like i was really being holy so my devotional time would I'd, i'd say the lord's prayer but see i had a ritual and I would read through his utmost to my highest and I might make a few notes or something and then I'd go on with my day. But you know what the benefit of that was? I got used to doing something every day that would benefit my spiritual life. So once that habit was ingrained and I realized, man, Oswald Chambers is hard to understand and he's boring and this sucks. I could throw it away, (laughs) no disrespect. But I'd already formed a habit in my life. I'd already used my energy to change something about my life, so now I could begin to feed myself differently. And so then I realized that I was the problem. <laughs> it took me a long time to figure that out. <laughs> but like, I was my own worst enemy, but I was also my own best friend. It's true. You can be your own best friend and your own best guide or your own worst enemy. Detriment to yourself, Right? So I started working on myself, and so I tried all these kind of weird visualization things, because so I'm not afraid to try stuff. And, and so one of the things I realized was that energetically we have different bodies. Now just hear me out on this. Uh, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 15 if you need scripture for it. Um, he talks about, we we translated a natural body, but the word natural is not the original language. The original language is soulish. He said we have a soulish body and we have a spiritual body. And you think he's just talking about the resurrection of your physical body, but he's not. So, h- how do you feed energetically your spiritual body? And then the question is, how do you feed energetically your soul body? And so, what I realized was that I have a whole emotional body. Now, if you don't believe that, you've never been triggered. If you don't know what I'm talking about with triggered, you ever been going along, feeling fine, and then somebody does something that irritates the heck out of you? And Daniel Goleman years ago made a fortune on a book called uh, Emotional Intelligence, and he talked about the, the 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 structure of an emotional hijacking. You ever been emotionally hijacked, where you wanted to do something, and then all of a sudden, this this emotional energy just stepped in and acted for you on your behalf, against your will? And then it was done, and it faded into the background, and you're like, oh, wow, how'd that happen? <laughs> like you got emotionally hijacked. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So what I realized is that is, an, that is a body. Right? And how are you feeding that body? Have you ever even thought about it? So I started working with my, I can't believe I'm telling this story. You guys are going to think I'm nuts. I'm working, I'm, I'm at a place where I have no motivation. What do you do? How do you change when you have no motivation to change? Or how do you maintain when you have no motivation to maintain? And so I was just emotionally drained, whatever. And so I'm doing this, this I'm just praying. And all of a sudden, you're going to think this is crazy. I'm not saying this happened literally. This is the way it was represented to me in my mind. Are you breathing? All of a sudden, my emotional body jumps out. And looks at me and says, You're killing us. And I started having a conversation with it. I'm like, What do you mean you're killing us? Like you never feed us. You never exercise us. You never take care of us. And I knew it was my emotional body reflecting back to me because of some other stuff that I'd done. And I, you know, it had never it had never occurred to me that my emotional body needs to eat. or needs to be in shape. I mean, I was completely at a loss. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> how do I feed you? And the answer came back, happiness. Well, how do I feed you happiness? When was the last time you did something that we really enjoy? When was the last time you took care of me by feeding me enjoyable activities and things that you like and and I realized you know what I realized I got to change my life I got to change my life because the activities I'm doing too much of what I don't like and not enough of what I do like and I'm starving out the joy out of my emotional body So maybe for you in this season you could say you know what I'm going to get more joy, and you could think about how am I going to feed joy to myself. And I realized as Christians we have all kinds. I had a whole library full of information about why enjoyment was not a part of life. Like if I said to the average Christian, if it feels good, do it, their mind goes to the most extreme indulgence and pleasure that they can possibly think of, And it goes to that extreme and then based on that extreme says, oh, no, 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 no. You can't do if it feels good that is not a Christian philosophy. Right. Now, let's go to the buffet. No, (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) After church. (laughs) But I had to realize my feelings are actually a pretty good barometer for life. Like, if I just let go of that belief that, oh, that's terrible, if you think if it feels good, do it, that you're going to go out and do all kinds of crazy stuff. And I found out I didn't really want to go out and do all that crazy stuff. Because I'm not going to feel good about who I am if I do it. And so then I started listening to the hunger. Do you you get that? If it feels good, do it. That's, That's your emotional body that's hungry. For you to do something for yourself that's going to feel good so you can enjoy life. And your religion is getting in the way of feeding on that energy in a way that's going to help you to do all things through Christ who gives you strength. I mean, I don't know about you, but just sitting there and reading, rejoice in the Lord always, just doesn't do it for me. Walking the floor and say, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. I'm re-. That does absolutely nothing for my emotional body whatsoever. It just tricks my ego into think I'm doing something spiritual. Are you tra- are you tracking with me? And so I guess what I'm inviting you to do is to take this time and begin to think about your life in a very strategic fashion and begin to think about your life in an energetic way about how can I draw upon the mind of Christ? How can I draw upon the love of God? How can I draw upon the presence and feed upon the light of God and the life of God that's in my life. And begin to think about, you know, as, as the seasons are changing and as our days of uh, our time of the days getting darker <laughs> is coming to an end and the time of our days getting brighter is coming into a new beginning, to begin to think about how can I feed myself on the light of Christ so that I can increase the light of Christ that is within me. So that I can really go about effecting change in the areas of my life that I want to affect change. So that you're working again. Everything I'm saying to you and everything I'm going to be saying to you for the next year and probably five years is going to be about changing from the inside out. Nothing on the outside is going to change until something on the inside changes first. And if you don't believe that, you will float around life constantly being the effect of your life and not the cause. You'll go around constantly everybody doing something to you if it's not the coworker, then it's the government if it's not the government Then it's What your parents did to you or if it's not your parents, it's what your spouse is doing or if it's not your spouse It's what your kids are doing and then you spend all your time trying to get everything out here to do right So you can feel good on the inside and none of it works And then we'll even elevate it to a spiritual level. If something good's not happening in your life, it's because God hasn't decided for it to happen. You're still the effect. Or if something bad's happening in your life, it's because the devil's attacking you or has infected you in some way. You're still the effect. You never put yourself at the place of cause. And nothing will improve, nothing will change until you can accept, I am the cause of what I am experiencing. I am the sum total of the choices that I have made, and I am not stuck in any choice. Jesus said, don't make any vows. Any oath you've ever made, you need to repent of. Because he said, let your yes be yes, and your no be no. And you have the right, because God gave you free will, you have the right to change your mind. So anything that you're experiencing, you caused by your choices. You can make a new choice today. You can make a new choice tomorrow, and you can begin to operate from a new place of cause. It all depends on your outlook. If, if I say you're the cause of everything in your life, you can feel ashamed and horrible and, oh, my God, what a mess I've made, and you just it more mess. You just caused it by choosing to believe in it that way. Or you can say, if I'm the cause, then bless God, I can change it. I don't have to be stuck here. I don't have to wait on is this God's timing or God's will. And I don't have to worry about is the devil attacking me and how do I get rid of the devil and how many things do I have to go back and clean out so that I get rid of the devil so he quits attacking me. Because if you believe that, be it unto you according to your faith. And get get ready, get your armor on because you're going to need it every day. (laughs) Because they're coming. (laughs) They're coming for you. (laughs) Guaranteed. But you can say, "What? how am I going to change? By changing me first. And changing me means changing the energetic patterns that are in my life. If I want to lose weight, I have to create a whole new energetic pattern that empowers me to eat right and exercise. How am I going to do that? Well, I'm going to have to draw upon, or I have the opportunity. I don't have to. Lots of people do it without Christ. I have the opportunity to draw upon the strength and the energy of Christ in my life in order to do that. I can choose to believe that right now, and I can choose to begin to move in that direction. It's entirely up to me. Or I can buy what they've been telling me. Doctor said, this is just going to get worse. My therapist said, you know, it's going to take me 10 years to get over this, and I'm going to have to keep paying them the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we never think about that. (laughs) Like, I figured out if you help people change really quick and they're good clients, you lose them. just the truth so I can buy into the fact that I've got to have years of therapy to get over this issue and if that's what I want to believe that's what I'll create I can buy into the diagnosis that I have an obsessive compulsive disorder and I can learn everything I have can possibly learn about obsessive compulsive disorder so I can reproduce it more so I can make sure that I'm lining up with that diagnosis and following the pattern we don't want to miss anything I know I'm going long. I remember they, they Julie, um, oh, I don't think you mind if I show this. Um, they tried to diagnose her with lupus. And I say tried to diagnose her because she had all the symptoms, even in her blood. And so they give her the pamphlet, you know, this is how you know you have lupus. And it was like a checklist for her, you know, check, check, check. And the more she's reading it, the more the energy of that, she's feeding on it, right? and 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 she's like this is and and i remember she said something to this effect this is convincing me that i have it and i'm like yeah let's stop that process right now and let's try some different things and so nick and joanne would come out every i think it was monday night or something pray for her and god would give wisdom you need to change some things i talked to somebody in arkansas she needs to change some things in her diet and needs to do some different things and you know what all those symptoms went away except for whatever she has in her blood and you know, 20% of the population will have that, not have lupus, and maybe that's even changed because we haven't even done a, a blood test since then. But you see, you see how you really get to determine based on what you feed upon. That doesn't mean everything that comes into your life. You, you, you let, let me put it this way: anything that comes into your life, you're equipped to deal with it. You're equipped to deal with it, and you get to choose which way it's going to go. Now. It may take a whole lot of energy to change that pattern. And you get to decide, am I going to manage my energy and the energy of Christ is in me in that direction or not? But you get to choose. When you adopt that way of thinking, I mean, maybe I'm crazy, but you can either do that or you can be a victim. You can put yourself at cause or you can put yourself at effect. You get to choose. Which one's going to make you happier? Which one's going to help you feel more empowered? Paul never said, Christ does all things for me. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who energizes me and strengthens me. Jesus never said, the works that I do, I'll continue to do for you because I go to the Father. He said, the works that I do, you can do also. See how he keeps putting people at cause. The woman with the issue of blood touches Jesus' garment, and she's healed. And Jesus turns around and says, who touched me? And she said, I touched you. And he didn't say, aren't I wonderful? Look what I did for you. He said, your faith has made you well. What did he do? He put her at cause. So the entire Christian life is a discipline of learning how to ascend above the effects And live out of the place of cause, bringing light and life and peace and harmony into the world rather than being an effect. The whole thing of blessing your enemies and loving your enemies can be a spiritual practice for you to put you at cause of love instead of the effect. It's so all that is when I when I bless. My, it's not because God's sadistic that he wants you to bless your enemies. Jesus is saying, look, here's a spiritual practice that you can use, that anybody can use to elevate you out of the place of being the effect and your love being in effect and, and your love being conditional, conditioned by the people around you. And get to the place that you are the cause. No matter how they treat me, I still choose to love them. I have just elevated myself in the most powerful way out of the realm of effect and put myself at the place of cause. So that all of Jesus' teaching was to put you at cause. And you can use anything in your life to feed that energy into yourself. You get to choose. Turning the other cheek requires a conscious choice to not feed on the energy of hate and anger that's been sent to you so that you become overwhelmed by it and become the effect of the other person's energy. But you turn the other cheek, it takes you out of the place of effect where they cannot hurt you. And when they cannot hurt you anymore, you have nothing to fear by offering them the other cheek. All right. Does that help you? I hope. All right, let's let's stand up. How many feel the energy in the room? I can. Just just open up for a minute and just receive a download of that. Just I like to take an open posture because I like to be congruent. If I'm standing here like this, I'm not congruent. In my heart, I'm receiving. It's not congruent. So you do what you want. I'm just saying. Sometimes assuming postures help. And just receive right now, just, just, just by your intention, just draw that energy of the Holy Spirit into your life to affect positive changes and outcomes that are going to really work for you very well. In this season, when all that is dark and all that is dead is retreating, and all that is light and powerful and life-giving is advancing for you so that you can make positive changes in your life, receive that now in the name of Jesus. Now, if you need healing in your body, I want you to imagine right now like a light from heaven. When the Holy Spirit came, he came as a tongue of fire that rested On them, like on the top of their head. So I want you to just, using the biblical pattern, I want you to draw from the top of your head kind of where your soft spot would be. I want you to imagine right now, by your choice, by your imagination, by your thought, I want you to imagine that light right now penetrating the top of your head. And allow that healing energy of Christ, that healing grace of Christ, to go down and just imagine it going to all the areas of your body that needs health and healing and transformation, wherever there's pain right now, let the healing light of Christ go into that place where there's pain. You can also receive it into your energetic bodies like your emotional body, your mental body, your spiritual body, and feed on that light of Christ right now. Feed on that love of God that's being poured out so richly and so liberally right now. And give thanks. Some of you, you're just literally glowing right now with just the presence and the light of God. And then affirm that this is working for you. Affirm that this is happening to you. Put yourself at cause. Your faith making you whole. Your faith energizing and empowering you right now. Not dependent on anybody else's faith. Not dependent on anybody else's choices. Just you. And then you can cultivate gratitude by just giving thanks by faith right now, just giving thanks by faith that you are the recipient of the healing light of Christ. You're a recipient of the joy of Christ. You're a recipient of the love of Christ. You're a recipient of that peace that passes all understanding. You are a recipient of mountain-moving faith. Thank you Lord Thank you Father now I want you to just take your hands and just fold them over your heart like just like just bringing it in over your heart and just sealing that to yourself sealing it to yourself energy to help you change transform anything you want to in your life thank you Lord in Jesus name amen God bless you